Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I'm your host, Madhuni Krishnan, the editor of Airline Weekly, and I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Edward Ned Russell, airlines reporter for both Airline Weekly and Skip. Today, we talk about some of the things we heard at a recent U.S. airline industry conference held via Zoom this year, not live, uh, and about the bullishness most airline CEOs have on travel's recovery, probably this summer. Of course, no one knows when business travel will recover, but they're still pretty confident about that, too. And we also talk about uh, when long-haul international travel might come back. Thank you for joining us. Please check us out at airlineweekly.com. And new issue drops every Monday, and we update the site throughout the week. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey there, Edward Ned Russell. Thanks for joining me again this week. How you doing, Mario? I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, let's let's talk all things airlines. Um, there's a big investor conference this week in the U.S. J.P. Morgan Chase, where several airline CEOs uh, spoke about uh, their outlook for the 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 next few months and the rest of the year, uh, as well as that uh, Southwest CEO Gary Kelly spoke to the Washington Post, which I believe you listened into. So uh, let's start with that. I mean, what what my takeaway from listening to all of this was that everyone, all these CEOs, are a lot more bullish than they were a few months ago um so let's start with uh with let's start with what the top sort of the top line that you heard from the conference ned yeah, the top line is everyone sort of has their eyes on summer uh bookings at a lot of airlines not every airline started to turn around in february and uh, tick up which could be the inflection point executives were sort of talking about in january but well bookings for for when for travel when? They didn't say. They said forward bookings. Now, we know that the booking curve or window is shortened a lot. Right. So these could be bookings for spring break. These could be bookings for summer. They didn't specify, but the bookings were up, you know, on over a week-over-week basis by, uh, you know, Delta said as much as 40%, I oh. believe. You know, and so it's, let's it's, pause there. I mean, we're also seeing the TSA throughput at the at the at U.S. airports is is regularly topping a million now. I mean, it's of course it's half of what it was a year ago, but but it's 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 trending upwards. It really is. You know, it, there was an optimistic tone, like you said, at the conference. The you know, people are looking at these bookings; they're going things this summer could really turn around. Delta you know, said maybe we'll be profitable by the end of the year. Not for the year, but by the end of the year. And there really was an optimistic tone. You know, the question is, of course, a lot of this could turn around. Airlines have dropped change fees and cancellation fees. So bookings could, as they did in 2020, turn into a lot of credits and unused flights. But the trend is that's not what's going to happen this time. Right. And a lot of this this optimism is based on the return of leisure or leisure traffic, Um, travel as people get vaccinated as they start to feel more comfortable traveling as travel restrictions around the country ease um so that that's what you're hearing right and and so we're talking about spring break and summer absolutely spring break and summer leisure traffic for sure you know american airlines ceo doug parker had a good chart it was sort of the it was these you know uh domestic leisure uh, near international leisure, that's Caribbean and Mexico, uh, business travelers, and then long-haul international. And domestic leisure was somewhat of a green light on his chart, and then near international, a bit of a yellow light. You know, those are coming back. They're seeing bookings there, leisure and visiting friends and relatives traffic. But business and long-haul international are still very much red lights. Uh, he, he used a racing metaphor, which uh, had to look up myself, I, I must <laughs> admit. But um, 
so you know we are seeing it's it's a partial recovery and strong return of leisure travelers is certainly good news for airlines but it's not it's not a full recovery yet right and near international you're talking about mexico and the caribbean exactly because the canadian border is still closed so right. there's uh, only essential travel there mm-hmm. united ceo scott kirby said something that i haven't actually been able to fact check but i'll take his word on it that uh a lot of uh, sort of beach destinations in Florida and um, the Caribbean are back to pre-pandemic levels of traffic, um, which which I found surprising, just given you know given given all that you read. Now, I mean, I don't know, I don't know, Madhu. It does actually doesn't surprise me that much because when I was writing through the winter about some of these the Rocky Mountain and, and California desert uh, destinations, Palm Springs, Montreux mm-hmm. Steamboat Springs. I mean, capacity, at least, was going to be at pre-pandemic levels through the winter. So, you know, Florida has seen a lot more extra flights or flights come in than even those mountain and desert communities. So I could see traffic getting back or nearing pre-pandemic levels. You know, can't guarantee that, but I could see that happening. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah, well, Florida seems to be a bottomless pit for airlines to throw capacity at and just insatiable beast, right? It just swallows capacity. It really does. It's it's shocking. But yeah, it seems if there's a Florida flight that can't make it, it's it's uh, the odd one. <laughs> right, right. But, the you know, the Caribbean, I think, surprised me a bit because there's just such a patchwork of, uh, of travel restrictions there still. And, uh, you know, it's difficult to navigate. I know a lot of countries have have been encouraging sort of digital nomads and people to come sort of set up shop in in Grenada or wherever. Um, but uh, to reach pre-pandemic levels, that 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 was that stood out to me. That surprised me. Now let's talk, however, about business traffic. I mean, well, that's a whole other story. No yes. executive at the conference said business traffic was uh, was was near anywhere near close to coming back to pre-pandemic levels. Right. You know, Gary Kelly, Southwest Airlines CEO, said at the Washington Post event that they still business traffic for them is still down roughly ninety percent. Ninety percent. Ninety percent. Yeah. Right. And you know, Southwest doesn't carry as many business travelers as American Delta and United do, but it's still a big part of their business. So that's, I mean, that's a striking number. Especially when you're saying, I mean, load factors for the airline are at 65% on the flights that they're flying already. You know, leisure travelers are definitely coming back, but the business travelers just aren't there yet. Yeah. And, um, you know, United CEO Scott Kirby was very, he's been bullish throughout about business travel. I mean, he has that quote that he's repeated about a thousand times whenever there's a camera put in front of him that says, where he says something like, the first time someone loses a sale on Zoom is the last time they try to make a sale on Zoom. I personally think that he watched that old United commercial from like 1990 where it's a sales room. And like, we just lost our <laughs> biggest customer. And the guy starts handing out United tickets to all the, you, you go on the road, you go on the road, you're going to meet with everybody. Anyway. I mean, the flip, the, the, the other side of that coin, which, uh, which Kirby did not mention is, you know, the, the example recently of, um, the Tata group in India closing a billion dollar, a billion, that's $1 billion sale on zoom. And, um, you know, <laughs> I have to, and there was a, there was a, there was an, uh, a column in the New York times yesterday by Fahad Manju. I don't know if you know that columnist or if, if any of you read it. Um, where he, he raised a really interesting point. He said, you know, the his past life of flying to Tokyo for a meeting, for a lunch meeting, 
that's that it strikes him that that is just gone and it's it my gut i'm basing this on nothing just anecdotal evidence of what i you know i talked to my peers and my colleagues in other industries and it just seems like i don't know when that will ever return right i mean technology and kelly has said it gary kelly has said that as well right ned he said that he's he's said in the past i don't know if you said in the event you covered that uh they just don't know what kind of business traffic will come back yeah kelly was very it was was uh the moderator pushed him on this and he was adamant he's like you know some business travel will come back how much he's not willing to guess because just no one knows at this point like you didn't talk about the you know lunch meetings that people would fly to and fly back from specifically but i think that really is the question you know people will still take business trips there will still be longer you know you know multi-day meetings and stuff but yeah do the day trips for a single lunch still need to happen you know, maybe if you're going new york to buffalo but new york to london you really have to you know wonder if that's going to go on yeah you know, but uh and no one really knows at this point there's a and lot I, of questions up in the air yeah and i think you know and this is another thing i heard from this conference and other things that have been sort of perking perkle per, perking for the last few um months during this pandemic is uh um We've got two things going on, right? Like, so there's a lot of business traffic travel that has just been replaced by Zoom and other technology tools. At the same time, there's a growing awareness of air um, aviation's um, carbon footprint. So the that lunchtime meet, the lunch, the apocryphal, you know, lunch meeting in Tokyo that we were talking about, it, it, it's uh, the it it's become sort of less tenable on two fronts. One is that it can be done by Zoom, probably, and companies may also start to think, question whether it's environmentally responsible to send an employee halfway across the world for just a few hours. Absolutely. And you know what, Madhu, both you and I have been covering the U.S. airline or the airline industry for years now. You know, mm-hmm. One thing that has struck me about just the most recent earnings calls among the U.S. carriers is you know, every airline talked about climate initiatives during their call. Not, not a lot of comments, a few minutes. But the truth is, in the past eight years, I have could probably count on two hands the number of calls where climate initiatives have been mentioned during an earnings call. And now we've got pretty much every airline at least mentioning them once, which oh. is it, it's it's pretty it, there's been a dramatic shift. And that's clear. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember in the um, sort of the end of the last decade or the beginning of the last decade, we're in 2020s now. Uh, when um, the airline industry fought the EU's plan to to include airlines in in their cap and trade system at the time, uh, the airlines fought it tooth and nail and went on about their um their you know their their sustainability and how the they were going to reduce emissions carbon emissions by get to what carbon zero and by twenty fifty which at the time was like you know forty years away. It, it, and now you hear them all talking about uh, about their climate initiatives. It was interesting. I, you know, I just was listening from the same conference to um, the CEO of Aircastle, which is a big, which is a lessor, and uh, he made that exact point. He said, "Well, you know, we were talking about getting to to net zero by 2050, but that five decade long argument is just not working now. The climate, the climate, so to speak, the yeah. environment, everything's changed." Yeah. No. It's clear in the messaging, and I think the next question is, will it come through in, in the bookings? And the consumers, like you said, our business is going to start to take more of an interest in that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't think we have an answer for that. It's uh, something that's going to play itself out. But you know, there's a much greater, there seems to be a greater consciousness of that at this point. Yeah, yeah for sure. And you know, before the pandemic, 
one of the bigger news stories in the airline industry, or quirkier news stories, was the flight shaming movement in Scandinavia. It started in Scandinavia. Uh, it almost feels to me as if that that movement went from being sort of fringy to very mainstream now, where even airline CEOs are talking about the potential of flight shaming or talking about their environmental response, their sustainability yeah. and their responsibility. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I can't answer um, about the uh, the the lunchtime meeting. I, I don't think any of us has that crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's it's going to be. It's a question. Let's see what what's going to happen. And it's it's different for us aviation journalists because you know, I go to an event, you see a plane, you get some interview questions and stuff. It's uh, I, I, I'm not trying to say that it's it's good on an environmental level, but at the same time, it's it's coverage that people like, and uh, you know, it takes going to do that. You can't really do that over Zoom. So yeah, yeah, we shall see. And we're back. It's Madhuni Krishnan, and I'm joined here with Edward Ned Russell. Hey, Ned. Hey, Madhu. So before before the break, we were talking about business travel. Let's talk a little bit about leisure travel. I was just reading something in The Economist. Um, in the U.S., uh, household savings have gone up by $1.6 trillion, T, <laughs> trillion dollars. Uh, during the pandemic. Now, Scott Kirby, others, uh, United States, uh, Scott Kirby, um, uh, Ed Bastian, and I, I believe um, Spirit and the Legion have all said, well, there's so much pent up demand. People are going to be spending this money on the on vacation. As soon as they get vac- va- vaccinated, they're going to go on a vaccination and, and, uh, and start traveling like they never did before. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, as the only person on this podcast that is vaccinated at this point, I yes. shall say from personal experience that I am not planning any vax vacations. I plan to visit my mother. That mm. is about all I plan to do right now. Which um, is VFR, right? That's which is VFR, exactly. But it's, it's, it is a trip that has been long overdue because I mm. haven't seen her since before the pandemic. Um, I think there will be some people that are going to take these vax vacations. You can you can tell from some of the social media posts. Right. I know this has been a this has been a bit of a shaming movement again, but you know doctors getting their their COVID vaccines and then posting a few days later a picture at some sunny beach right. somewhere. Um, so there is going to be some of of that, uh, but I don't. I mean, like I said earlier, leisure travel will probably make up a larger proportion of prob- normal airline revenues this summer for sure and traffic mm-hmm. you know it could be there could be more leisure travel than there was in summer 2019 i don't know but it's not going to make up for the loss of business travel or long-haul international travel so oh, it's right. you know it's still a partial recovery like uh and i don't know if it's gonna it, that might be a one-time one-time jump you yeah. know and you can't really base a business off of what is a one-time peak if if it's not going to continue at that level all right, let's go on a little tangent here, Ned. Just bear with me. <laughs> so um, for those of you who are listening, I, I am about uh, 12 years older than Ned. We are, so we're, we're in slightly different age demographics, but um, uh, I just want to hear, like, so what, what do you hear? Ned is a millennial. I'm, a, I'm firmly Generation X. And I just want to hear from you, like, what you're hearing from your peer group about whether they want to travel. Like I know, I know you want to fly immediately, but that's you and you're weird. But like, um, 
Like, <laughs> I think a like, lot of our audience listeners might want to fly to Madhu. You might be the odd one out, but just maybe, saying. maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't particularly like to fly. But anyway, um, uh, what are you hearing from your peer group? My peer group, everyone is planning a trip to visit family. Interesting. Right. I don't hear anybody planning anything else at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I admit, from amongst my peer group, not many of us are vaccinated yet. You know, right. we're all in our thirties and not in high risk categories for the most part. But as I'm talking to people, everyone's focused on, you know, the summer has to be, okay, see the family we haven't seen in over a year. Right. Uh, let's, let's do those trips. You know, there's talk of, you know, should we get together and do something? But, you know, whereas before we might have talked about meeting in France and, mm-hmm. you know, taking the kids and everything, it's now about, well, we could rent a house in Colorado or something. I mean, yeah, we would still fly, but we're not going to be taking as big of a trip or they're not going to take as big of a trip as, as we would beforehand, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Now let me, let me also preface, not prefaces, but let me add here. I think this is a good time to add that both Ned and I are lucky enough to have kept our jobs and um, we, you know, we're speaking from, we understand we're speaking from a place of, of relative privilege. Um, Absolutely. But, I mean, one of the things that I, it's interesting, you know, you mentioned the, the travel to visit family. I'm hearing that as well from my peer group, but I'm also hearing a lot of people, um, you know, in many cases, their uh, their children are going back to in-person school for the first time this summer. And, uh, and so like when they normally would take a vacation, they're just focused on getting their kids back to school. The other thing, you know, that I hear a lot is home improvements. Instead of planning vacation, and I'm talking about a fairly well-traveled bunch. I mean, instead of planning their usual vacation to somewhere as soon as they get vaccinated, they're talking about like the backyard renovate, you know, re-landscaping the backyard or, or buying, renovating the kitchen. Now, Scott Kirby interestingly said he thought all that expenditure was mainly done, that people had already put in the new kitchen. That's a direct quote. Oh, I do not think, I do not think so at all. I mean, I was- You could just look at Home Depot's (laughs) earnings to see that that's not true. (laughs) I I have a nanny share for my son and the other uh, family. I was just, they're the only people I see that are in my bubble at the moment. Uh, we're just talking. You know, they they are trying to get some work done in their house, and the contractors in the region are just so behind because there's so much demand. They yeah. said it's three or four months out before they can lock anyone down. This is very much still a lot of demand for home improvement, and it's it's not done yet. No, that's for sure. And that 1.6 trillion dollars has got to go somewhere, and I suspect it's not. At least in the near term, my gut, at least from my peer group, is telling me that it's, that's not going on vacations to French Polynesia. It's going on new furnaces no. and new stoves. I think it's visits to family and, uh, yeah, home improvement and stuff. You know, yeah. long term, what I really do wonder is whether the whole pandemic is going to sort of shift some of the travel paradigm. And, you know, this doesn't bode well for the air- airlines that have really built their businesses on long haul, you know, explore the world kind of things. But, you know, I've really spent the pandemic exploring really what's within about a four hour drive of my right. house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, I want to get on a plane and travel again, but I have found a lot of beautiful places within a four hour drive of Washington, D.C. And I will really think of visiting those places again, um, you know, alongside going somewhere international, which before I probably wouldn't have. So right. and I think a lot of people have. I've spoken to a lot of my friends who've learned a lot more about their, you know, vicinity to to yeah spend time in so yeah and i mean and to sort of 
build on that, I mean, I think a lot more people are, are, are discovering the great outdoors. Ned and I are both avid runners, so we spend a lot of time outdoors. But, you know, I'm, I'm really surprised by – you just have to look at, like, the sales of, of outdoor equipment, um, which I was randomly looking at the other day, um, and companies that make that equipment as well. And you, or just talk to your peers and see how many people have taken up hiking or, or yeah. taking a vacation. I live in California to Yosemite or some such place, yeah. not mm-hmm. not jumping on a plane to go to the south of France for a wine tasting tour for a week. <laughs> you know, it's it's it is when that's even possible. Of course, that's not possible now. Um, and right. you're bringing that around. It really makes you think about you know, the airports in Colorado that we mentioned earlier, Montrose, yeah. Steamboat, Palm Springs, Jackson Hole, you know, are the um, Bozeman, Montana, which Southwest just announced new service mm-hmm. to. Will those airports, I mean, will those new flights stick around? I mean, these could become major outdoor destinations. They were before, but permanently larger destinations than they were because of the pandemic. I mean, that's I think that's definitely a strong prospect. Yeah, I mean, like I said, neither of us has a crystal, no one has a crystal ball. And that's another trend. Is that a structural shift? I mean, the structural shift, the first structural shift we talked about is whether um, Zoom is going to replace the lunchtime meeting in Tokyo. The second is whether this leisure traffic in the in in the US is will still go to these outdoor locations, Salt Lake City, Denver, um, Kalispell, like I mean, these are all places that are seeing yeah. more service. Yeah. Um, Delta's bidding on on Alaska this summer. Uh, I don't know if it, yeah, I was just seeing they've added four new routes connecting Anchorage to several hubs, including New York, for the mm-hmm. summer. You know, bidding on domestic outdoor travel. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting structural shift. Now uh, we got a few minutes left. Let's talk about um, Long Haul International and what we heard from the conference. I mean that that I think everyone is. At, that I think everyone admits is is I mean that, that that's not even crystal ball. That crystal ball is full of mud. Like no one knows <laughs> what no one knows when that's coming back. Right. I think the general sentiment is uh, well. Kirby talked about it at United. He said twenty twenty three was it, Madhu? Yes, and he believes that United is best positioned to take it. Of course, he's going to say that. Take advantage right. of it because of its coastal hubs, um, but uh, at its existing route network, but. Uh, I mean, we just don't know when travel restrictions are going to start lifting. When no, we really don't. It yeah. was interesting. There was a good comment from British Airways CEO over the weekend saying you know, the UK government should allow anyone who's vaccinated to travel. Of course, I mean, he has a vested interest in people right. traveling, but I mean, it's becoming there's, there's increasing pressure on governments to allow mm-hmm. so to create some kind of program where vaccinated citizens can travel internationally, especially in somewhere like Europe where there's. The borders are so close, you know, I mean, you could say the UK is the size of what, California, Wisconsin, something like that. Um, our UK listeners should not correct me. Thank you very much. <laughs> you could but, feel free uh, to correct him. It's er at skiff.com. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's the long haul travel, like going to Europe. Uh, really, I no one knows and no one expects it to return to, to pre-pandemic levels very quickly because... Like you said, it's the the lunch meeting in Tokyo. Those are gone. So how many business travelers will actually be going? And if they're not going, you know, Long Haul International from leisure is very peaky. We're talking about, you know, summer flights and then dropping off for the rest of the year if there's no business traffic. And I don't even think summer traffic is going to look anything like it did for some years to come. And, you know, there's there's anecdotal evidence as well. I mean, if you look at China's China's been ahead of 
most of the rest of the world in, in the pandemic because it struck there first or you know responded first and started to recover first. Um, I, I was just looking at the traffic figures for um, February for for Chinese airlines for the big three Chinese airlines, and after there was you know the um, there was a shutdown when the government imposed re- restrictions to to contain fresh outbreaks over the Lunar New Year, but uh, the. Did, they're reporting that domestic demand is almost where it was um, uh, before the pandemic, and there's a there's a sense that there's a structural shift in China. People can't travel abroad, but they've gro- gotten a taste for traveling within China, and maybe that will stick around after the pandemic. And will we see the same here? I mean, will yep. people decide not, as we were saying earlier, to go to Bozeman or or Jackson Hole versus going off to South Africa? We don't know. <laughs> we really don't know. That said, I've, I've been reading some very good books about cycling through Europe. And once those borders are open, you can count me in. But, <laughs> you know, that might be a 2022 or 2023 trip. I, I'm going to bet it's going to be a 2023 trip. I will put money down on that right now. All right. I'll take your money, Madhu. <laughs> and on that All right, note, listeners, if... you can hold us to it. 2023, Ned Bikes Through Europe. Yes. And you can, you can feel free to join us in this bet. You can reach Ned at ER. That's er for edward russell at skiff.com you could reach me at mu at skiff.com check us out at airlineweekly.com um new a new issue the weekly publication drops every monday and we publish uh updates on the site throughout the week thank you for joining us this week we will talk to you all next week ned thanks for joining me again thanks Madhu. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. Of course, check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.